Welcome to Mac and Cheese, episode number 53. My goodness, we're moving along here, Mac. My name is Graham Hicks. And I'm Mac Mail. And together we constitute Mac and Cheese. And today, four topics on the agenda. Four topics on the agenda. Top one, uh, Mac, I was amazed at the, I call it the vanity of the internet bonfire with that hashtag, Prentice Blames Albertans. Yep. What surprised me is that it didn't stop. It just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And now, of course, it's died out. But different thoughts on that. First of all, I thought, actually, I didn't... I keep thinking if you're a communications guy for... Yeah, right? yeah. I thought when he, in that interview, if I was listening to that interview, I would probably nod in my head in agreement. Yes, Mr. Prentice, you're absolutely right. You know, we kept on it. We appreciated not having health premium time. When when we took it away, did anyone say no? We shouldn't be taking it away. Did uh, when they did away with the flat tax? Did we, did we have a whole pile of people? You know, it's and then I find it, it almost. I don't know what the right word is. Come on, Albertans. You know, we did do this to ourselves. And yes, you can point your fingers at the PCs and say, "Oh, those stupid old conservatives." But here's a guy saying, "Let's do something about it." You know, so I start to think: Is this just all the disaffected liberals and NDs that, that for whatever reason, they're just ganging up here and having their moment in the sun? Everybody on Twitter, though, liberal, NDP, conservative, whatever, I think was taking issue with those comments. It's really hard after two years of scandal after scandal after wasted money to then hear it's everybody's fault, and okay. and to not first say, you know what, the PC leadership has a huge role to play in this, and we take responsibility for that. You know, that that's not what he said. He said, we just have to look in the mirror, you know, and it's the way he said it, I think, that really caught some people off guard. And I kind of agree with Dave Cornway. He's a political blogger, wrote that we are kind of all at fault because we're the ones that keep voting them in. Right. If we wanted something to change, Albertans would have to vote for a different party, essentially. Right. You, know, uh, you do make a very, very good point. I for some reason in my head, I have cut off everything pre Pre-Prentice, right? You know, that was a bad dream with Redford. She was a she was a, t- a two-year diversion. Yeah, uh, Eddie Stelmack, I always like personally, but he never showed a lot of oversight or overview. So I'm tending to kind of say to myself, this is a fresh start, and you can't look in the past. We got to look ahead. You're right. The way he couched it was probably had he begun it with, we've made some big mistakes in our own party, right? Uh, that might have really mollified it. Yeah, I think Good so. Good point. I mean, I, I think it's just the way he approached it. And then the imagery of what he said, I think, enabled that hashtag to take on a life of its own, right? People bringing mirrors and taking pictures oh, of mirrors yeah. and stuff like that, right? <laughs> I mean, it's just, once that starts, like, how do you how do you rein that in? You can't, right? It's got to play out. You know, as a student of marketing and, and branding and whatnot, you think he sure handed it to them on a platter, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Gives them a, a device, gives them an angle, gives them a hashtag. <laughs> I wonder what they've learned from this, and I hope they don't go into a batten down the hatches. I've heard some disturbing things about uh, people are saying that their MLAs are cutting them off from Facebook if they get into an argument or mm, whatnot. That's not good. I, I really hope that the apprentice guys don't start feeling like they're under siege, you know. Yeah. I am mostly waiting. March 26th is new budget. This twenty third, right? No, I think it's March twenty sixth. If I'm okay. right, okay. the most, to my mind, the most anticipated budget. I mean, normally, who cares about budgets? You know, come and go. They take up twenty five pages in the paper that nobody reads. Uh, you know, how it's going to affect my taxes? He says 
a 10-year plan to get us off of total dependency on oil and gas royalties. I am fascinated to see what they come up with. Yeah, absolutely. And the other reason we're obviously interested this year is an election, right? So yeah. it's kind of the official kickoff, is it not? <laughs> Next hashtag will be Blaine Prentice. Yeah, well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm looking forward to the budget, too. It'll be very interesting to see what's in there. Hey, last last thought in this one, Mac, as you're a guy that knows the Internet and everything very well. Do you think that this this quick bonfire that did flower up much bigger, but on the Internet they die off and away they go, do you think this has any actually lasting impact on popularity or polling or anything? Well, in the last election in 2012, social media had a big role to play. There was lots of interesting things like the picture of the wild rose bus with the wheels and, you know, all that stuff. And obviously there was the lake of fire and those kinds of things. Yeah. And social media, I guess, gives some of these controversial items or topical items a place to live and a place to for people to point to in the future. So, I mean, if you're a diehard conservative, you like Prentice, it's probably not going to change your mind too mm. much. Um, but it maybe does strengthen your point uh, point of view if you're an opposition supporter mm -hmm. and, you know, you're looking for something to point to as a as a win, right? So, but does it have a, lo a, a lasting, long-term impact? I'm not so sure. Could but, be cumulative. But it's cumulative, right? It yeah. builds up. It's part of the overall narrative, right? When we, in two years, look back on the election and everything... That'll be one of the things that is part of that narrative, right? Has there ever been a premier in any province or a prime minister that has not been pilloried in the in the press nonstop from the very beginning? Probably not, right? Yeah. Yeah. So That's the way it works. <laughs> Maybe you just got to have a thick skin and keep going. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, on to a, to a topic that I think is, uh, well, you know me, I'm a huge River Valley fan. Yes, you absolutely. Know, and uh, I would like nothing better than to be in my doddering old age walking the new trail from Devon all the way up to Fort Saskatchewan. And if I'm 86, 87, or 95, may I have a heart attack along the way <laughs> and gently fall in the river. Great way to go. So I am excited to see the city announcing that the uh, that piece of the trail that's now missing from Twilliger Park, which is being very nicely developed and right. was a great exercise in community and putting everything together by the city. We're now building that footbridge across from just north of Twilliger Park to the great big undeveloped area that's below the Edmonton Golf and Country Club. Do you remember that? It was owned by Peter Pockington, and then and it took forever, but the city finally got to build it. One of the last pieces of, of undeveloped nature mm -hmm. right in the city. Right. They're going to they're putting a trail across it. I think it's called Olive Skew. Yeah, I don't know how you pronounce right? it, but I think you're right. Yep. Yeah. Olive Skew? Yeah. Olive Skew? Uh, that trail will take us... Below the the golf and country club, in a in a it's a huge area. When you right, know, you don't realize it till you're walking through it, and but we'll have a beautiful trail going in the interior that that emerge at the river at the Fort Edmonton Park footbridge. Right, beautiful bridge. Yeah, this is going to be really just another part, another missing piece of the puzzle. The city's way ahead of all the other municipalities. We're building out. You know, Devon's got a nice little chunk. Um, Parkland is getting their stuff together. The county of Sturgeon's actually starting to get their act together. Fort Saskatchewan's done some great work along the River Valley. Strathcona, i.e. Sherwood Park, is just starting to wake up and realize that they got a real nice piece of River Valley out there to play with. It's coming together, and it's 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 great. Well, it's good that there's a vision and they're actioning it. So question for you. I don't know if you know about this, but we always talk about this on the show. We build things, but do we plan to maintain them? Oh, so I know. Are people planning to maintain these trails? It's a lot of trails to keep clear and safe and all that, right? The city has always been 
very, very good at maintaining trails. I would agree with that. I think you walk around, at least around downtown, very clear, very quick. Every time I've, anywhere I've gone for a run or whatever, if there's problems, they do get them cleaned up. When trees fall over the trails, within a week they're cut. So one certainly hopes that it's being budgeted for. And we have the 311 (laughs) app. You can take a picture of the fallen tree. Listen, I'll make a zillion dollars, <laughs> and I'll start the Graham Hicks uh, maintenance fund for the parks. How's that? That sounds good to me. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> hey, and the last part of that is the downtown thing. They're saying, again, in the city websites, the Touch the Water Project downtown, which is the idea, the promenades, and developing out a little more of the urbanity, if you like, of of the downtown portion of the River so Valley. So I can go for a drink or some food or something yeah, like that? Yeah, the actual cafeteria down there. Right. Uh, they're saying by 2016 they're going to have something. They're talking about the uh, the motorized down-the-hill device that used to be the funicular and then was the Merv or whatever. It seems to have settled in. It looks like it's going to go in just below the by the Hotel McDonald, straight down. 2016 uh, seems pretty quick, off, doesn't yeah, it? I know. Like yeah. you said... Uh, You'll believe it when you see it. Yeah. But, you know, let's, let's be optimistic today. Yeah, and hopefully. Uh, when we're doing uh, show number 355, we can look back at show number 53 and uh, <laughs> see what happened. Exactly. Yeah, that sounds good. Well, I hope it comes. That'd be, that'd be an awesome addition. Okay. Tell me about this. Uh, I was quite fascinated to read this story about the Edmonton Tran- Transit Service, ETS. Yep. Uh, has been working away, busy as beavers, putting in their trans- their sensors and whatnot on the buses. So we can sit and just look on our phone five minutes before we leave the house and say, oh, the bus is running five minutes late. I don't have to stay out in the cold to wait for it. Right. Doesn't that sound great? In it does sound city? great. And mm-hmm. I remember you told me about it, and I went and tried to look at the app, and I was completely and utterly baffled. Right. Well, now I read that somebody else came along, and tell, take the story from there, because you're, you're the internet guy. There's this app out there called the Transit app, and it's done routing and things like that, and what they decided they wanted was the live information. So not enough to know when the bus is scheduled to be there. They want to know when it's actually going to be there. Wow, what an idea. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and they basically didn't have the ability to get this data from the city, so they went off to the city's website that's been set up as part of the Smart Bus Initiative, and they yeah. scraped the data. So they didn't hack anything. It's not like they... So the data was there. The data was there. It just wasn't made available to a third party like them in an easy-to-use format, right? Quick question. Mac, how do they actually do it? Like, do they actually have to manually take every number and type it down? Do they cut and paste it? Or, like, how how do they scrape the data, like, you know... Guys like me, that all I know is how to cut and paste. But they must. There must be. Is there more sophisticated means of doing all this? Yeah, scraping is actually a really common thing. So okay. everybody's using the word hacking, but people scrape stuff all the time. So the idea is the city's website maybe presents the information in a table, yeah. right? And you know that there's three rows and three columns. Right. So they can say from the table, get me the third row, second column, and they'll pull out that field and use that in the data. So they're not copying pasting. There's a bit of code that they've written. How can that they runs access, and scrapes that. How can they go into another program and another website and tell it what to do? Well, it's just like in a browser. When you go to that website in the browser, mm-hmm. the browser is reading the code and then showing it to you in a friendly way. Mm-hmm. So they can do the same thing. They can read the code and instead of showing it to you, in this case, just read the part of the code that they need, which is the data. Well, I'm just in awe of everything you guys do. But the fact of the matter was along comes an outside guy, puts together an app that's way better than what the city's playing with. 
Yeah, and people love the idea of a easy to use friendly app that gets this data. So <sighs> I love easy to use apps. I sympathize with uh, with these guys. They wrote a blog post about it and said Edmontonians, you deserve better, and that'll make sense to me. But on mm-hmm. on the other hand, I can see where the city's coming from. Right? I mean, they they have had to focus on how do we get all of our buses. There's a lot of buses out there updated with this technology. Let's solve that problem. And once the system's operational and fully specced out, then we can work on the problem of how do we present this information in a friendly way, right? So why not? Doesn't this show, you're right, it's good on the city, but if someone else can do it that much better, why not just let them? Yeah. yeah. Why couldn't the city say, good on you guys, thank you for doing it, and uh, maybe they're afraid they're going to get charged for it or something, but... It was a cute little publicity stunt by the other guys, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and, I don't and know very if they, successful. I don't know if they're afraid they'd be charged for it, but probably more than likely they're afraid that nothing <laughs> would happen, right? Yeah. <laughs> you go and you ask the city for something, and how long does it yeah, take? Two years later. Right. I, I mean, I think hopefully this is an example of a, a change that they'll make, an expectation change, right? It's interesting to me that ETS was actually the first uh, part of the city to make any public data available way back in 2008. There was a bunch of people like me saying, give me a transit API, you know, something that my program could talk to to say, when is the bus going to be here? Mm-hmm. And they didn't have that, obviously, but they did have the scheduled data, so they made it available publicly. It's kind of unfortunate that they haven't, you know, continued to make things public up front, but hopefully it's a change now. And going forward, they'll say, you know what, we can rely on other people to help us do things with this data. Let's just make the data available. You know, this sort of sounds a little bit like Uber and Airbnb. I mean, a, a better technology comes along. If these guys are willing to do it, but how do they monetize it? If they can just keep scraping the data off as soon as it comes up and as soon as the city's got the whole thing running, all of a sudden we got a good little app that works and I can sit at home and see when the bus is coming. Do we need to worry about it? Is it, you know, just let it be and does the city need to worry about it? Well, the city does have a concern, though, right? And I totally get it. And after working in open data now for a number of years, the problem is they can't just make the data available without having some sort of process to monitor and maintain that. So there's some work the the city needs to do in order to make the data continually update and become available to people. So there's a, they call it, usually in the city, they'll say, we need to operationalize this. Ah. And that's some of the challenge, right? And so this is why there's not, you know, an official, hey, here's the live data, because they haven't done that work yet. Maybe they'll get to that work, and maybe they should have done the work already, you could argue. Um, but it's not like they're in- intentionally keeping the data from us, I don't think. Do you think they'll try to keep the data from app companies like these guys? I, no, I think ETS and the city want to work with app companies like these. And, you know, the whole Open City initiative yeah. that they've been pushing lately is all in support of that. It's just uh, finding the best way, I guess, to make that happen. Okay, so you sound reasonably optimistic it'll all get worked out. Yeah, I mean, I think the Transit App guys probably should have had a courtesy call into ETS to say, hey, we're going to do this. Uh, And maybe ETS could have been more proactive about making the data available even before it's fully rolled out. But I think they'll come together and each bring their toys and play nicely. So I, I think it'll work out. Okay. <laughs> I guess we'll find out, but that's we'll my find prediction. Out. Yeah. Okay. Now, the last thing you wanted to talk about was welcome signs to the oh, city. Yeah, welcome. You know, the issue that won't die. I remember. It just always comes up. Uh, good. I'm allowed to be the memory of this, the mac and cheese year. The big deal we had, I can't remember, was it 85, 86? In the middle of our depression, economic depression, mm-hmm. the two teams were doing incredibly well. The Oilers, the, the one year when the Oilers won the cup, 
and uh, the Eskimos won the cup. Right? It was first time. But we you know it's, the Sun made sweatshirts up. We sold a million <laughs> of them. Everyone was so excited. Right. And that's when the idea City of Champions came up. And Lawrence Decor, who was a strong enough leader, they managed to get things done. Up went those little bolted onto the entranceways was City of Champions. Huh? Yeah. Somehow they managed to go through all the bureaucracy, the rebranding and marketing and the look and everything else. And up they went. Well, they sat there and sat there and sat there. Right. And every every four or five years, some councillor comes along and says, we really should do something about this. And then, you know, let's have a beautiful new thing to enter the city. And Gene Dub puts in his leaning over a lamppost. And <laughs> <laughs> the, this dance never ends. And meanwhile, the City of Champions logos still stand on a little piece of plank at the bottom of the Welcome to Edmonton signs on Highway 2 and Highway 16. <laughs> and this time, it was Michael Oshry who as a counselor, has kind of put himself out there as the business guy, the fiscal conservative. And so it's kind of surprising to me that he wants to do something with it. Although I guess what he wants to put a motion on the floor to do is just take them down, not yeah, change it or put a new one up, just get rid of the city yeah. of champions, right? On the Which, of that, I, I think he actually put in a request. You know, counselors are allowed to put in yeah, a request yeah, to the administration. Yeah. The administration went back and six months later came out with a 25 or 35 or 45-page document on well, you know, this is how much it's going to cost, you know. And, we and there's no funding do, for this. Yeah, like, we got to do this, 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 and this. But, you know, almost, you sometimes wonder how tongue-in-cheek the administrators are when they come back on stuff that they never let themselves show it. But <clears throat> his point that was quite easy, he said, you know, for God's sake, he said, just, why don't we just unbolt that one piece across the bottom that says City of Champions and take it off, mm-hmm. you know. He says, I'll go do it myself. I got a toolbox, and I'll go out in my old pickup truck and... Let's do it. <laughs> oh, could cost two, could cost a million bucks. I mean, this, it sounds simple, obviously, but you can see from the administration's point of view, they don't want to set a precedent that every time co- council asks for something, they're just going to go and do it, right? Because that would be pretty dangerous. I wouldn't want to set that no, expectation. No, th- this request has only been around since about mm, since about 1988 or so. <laughs> so you know, well, we, the current one since September, but I get what you're saying. We're only 25 years in this one. I know it takes time, but yeah, it yeah. takes time. But just to unscrew a few bolts takes that long. I don't know. Anyway, the part of the city obviously uh, hasn't learned their lesson in that time because instead of just saying, yeah, sure, we'll figure out how much it'll cost to unbolt those things, they went and said, oh, we're doing this rebranding exercise. And, you know, that's not what counselors want to hear. That's not what any of us want to hear. We don't, we're done with that. But apparently the city's getting a new logo, all this kind of stuff. And that, could be an impact on the sign debate. I have been in the communications marketing business now for a, for a few years, and I must say that I had no idea before I got the inside of it how complicated this rebranding and all this stuff is, how it can all get totally held up because, well, what about this? What about that? What are we going to do about this? What's the website going to look like? What are we going to do for a logo? What kind of font are we going to use? Yep. Oh, the boss has changed his mind. <laughs> Yeah. So and on some ways we're sympathetic, but in other ways it just becomes a way of complete creep paralysis. Absolutely. Yeah. And these signage almost comes the classic example. It's now been what thirty years we've been debating it. Yep. And we still haven't found a slogan, by the way, that everyone likes. Well, we don't need a slogan, right? I yeah, think everyone's it. getting away from slogans. Let's just have a welcome to Edmonton. Why can't I just say welcome to Edmonton? Yeah, I know. You know? Interesting thing about that debate that I learned from a history point of view is the city of Edmonton logo, you know, the the mm-hmm. E or whatever. Apparently it was hand drawn because there was no font at the time or anything that matched it. So somebody hand-drew that, and it's been our city logo now for, I don't know how long, but a long time. Has it turned into a font? 
I I would hope they've done something digital with it now. Edmontonia, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very interesting though that uh, hand drawn. Hey, one last thought you were mentioning too that that we still don't have at good entrance signs on several major roads coming into town. That yeah, was part of that report that was buried. Part of the report said there was the they had they identified on a map the seven locations for where those signs are, and I looked at the map and there's some really key entry points to the city like from St. Albert, which thousands of people use every day, or from Highway 28 in the north or whatever, where there is no sign at all. So <laughs> it's kind of like if we're going to spend money on signs, maybe we should think about where we put them. I don't know. <laughs> but then it's like a whole bunch more money, and as we say, there's never enough money. We'll watch and see what happens. Life is always interesting around our town. Absolutely. Never a dull be day. Spring, pretty soon we'll, we'll have a look at the uh, Red Bull thing, uh, see how all that went, went. Should be fun. It'll be great. And then people will be complaining about potholes, and we'll have lots more to talk about. Oh, potholes. <laughs> so if we have a real slow day, we'll go back to potholes and signs. There we go. So no cheese this week. I forgot to bring cheese. But we are back in the Makerspace studio after a couple of weeks. In the beautiful Edmonton Public Library, and it it is quite cool. Except they got this kind of funny stuff up in the wall, these installations. You know, and it looks dampening. like egg cartons. Yeah. And when I'm looking at you, my eyes keep flashing on this stuff. Like it's doing <laughs> very weird things to my, my eyes. Got to keep the sound down. That's what they do. Okay. There you go. Check us out at macandcheese.ca. Thanks for listening. Until the next time.